everybody doing this afternoon? Awesome, awesome, guys. Thank you for joining us this afternoon, and happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the house. Let's give it up for the fathers in the house today. All right. All right. Thank you very much for joining us today, guys. It's a hot day, hot, hot day, but we are glad that you are here in the house of the Lord. Amen. All right. Now, when we all stand before we begin? All right. I would like to call up my sister Carol to come up and share a testimony of what God has been doing in her life. So please, yes, give a warm welcome to Carol as she, ma as she makes her way up. Hello, everyone. So I'm Carol. If you guys don't know me, I'm one of the deacons here at MPI. So I just want to testify about this week. It's been really, really tough for me. My husband's <laughs> out sick. He's been sick since, like, last Sunday. He's still sick today, so just keep him in prayer. But, um, you know, throughout all these trials, because I've faced many trials throughout this week, and just, like, emotionally and, like, just everything has been going on. Um, you know, I'm tired. I'm barely, like, on two hours of sleep every day. Like, I'm not sleeping, taking care of my husband, just trying to figure things out, trying to make him feel better. You know, I never forget that the joy of the Lord is still with me. You know, and the Lord, you know, like, he's providing for us, and he's always with me, no matter what, if I'm tired or if I'm, you know, if I'm just upset because, I, you know, he can't get better. I'm just like, Lord, you know, just heal him, and your joy is with us. And we just rely on you for everything that we do, you know. Um, so, let me see. Uh, James 1.12, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of many kinds. So I don't know what you're going through or if you're going through a trial, but I'm here to tell you that God is with you, and he's a provider, and he loves you, and he will never forsake you. So just find your joy in the Lord and rest in him, you know, because um, he's the father that loves us. And he just loves you so much to, you know, to let you go through anything that you can't handle. So just find the joy and rest and peace and love of your father. So let's pray. Oh, God, we thank you for being a great father. God, we thank you that you are a faithful father that keeps your promises, God. So, God, we just, um, you know, thank you for the trials, God. We thank you and we praise you through all these times of trouble, God. And um, I just ask that everyone here finds peace finds joy and that know that you are always with them. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, put your hands together. Greatest day in history. Death was beaten. Jesus rescued me. Sing it out because Jesus is
glorious day. What a glorious way. Come on, say you have saved. You have saved me. Oh, what a glorious day. What a glorious name is the name of Somebody give him a shout of praise.
lifted higher in all the earth, Jesus. In all the earth, Jesus. I lift you higher. I lift you higher. I lift you
church we are a city of praise I'm going to preach to you from John chapter 3 verse 16 how many of you guys know John 3 16 what better verse to speak about than on Father's Day come on John 3 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life this message is for those of you in this place today who are not right with God. The Bible says that if you leave this earth without Jesus, you will perish for all of eternity in hell. And you have the opportunity today to get right with the living God. Your heavenly Father who created you, who formed you, who knit you together in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And if you believe... On his son Jesus Jesus 100% God 100% man left the glory of heaven to come to earth to take our place to die a gruesome death to pay the price for our sin if you are not right with God today you've never been born again today is a day to get right with your Heavenly Father you may or may not have had a earth good earthly father if you did praise God if you didn't, here's your opportunity to get right with your Heavenly Father. Don't put it off one more moment. Come to Him. Accept His free gift of salvation. Close your eyes all across this room, please, with me. If you know you have to get right with Jesus, now is your opportunity. 
Don't let it pass you by one more day. As I begin to pray for you, if you know you want to get right with God, I want you to come into agreement with me. Lord, I thank you for this day, the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And I pray for this good news, the good news of Jesus coming to rescue us, coming to save us, the good news that you have given us, this free gift of salvation. I pray that it would be accepted today, that people would believe in Jesus so that they will not perish but have eternal life. I pray that you would convict hearts right now at this moment and draw them to repentance by your loving kindness, O oh God. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time. Be glorified and be magnified. I pray that they would repent, turn from their wicked ways, and turn to you, Jesus, and live the way you've called them to live. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on. If you prayed that prayer, you came into agreement, we're going to have a chance at the end of the service for you to receive prayer here at the altar. We want to pray with you. We want to show you how to get connected and plugged into the church so you can be discipled. Amen. At this time, we're going to confess our confession of faith together. The reason why we do this every week is because this is our Christian worldview. So let's do this on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise one more time. You guys can turn around. You may find your way back to your seat. Maybe greet your neighbor. Give him a hug. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you guys can be seated at this time, we're going to spend some time hanging out and fellowshipping outside in just a moment after some good old gospel preaching. We're so excited that you guys have all joined us at Metro Praise International. We want to welcome you guys all here, especially if it's your first time. We welcome you on behalf of all of the leaders. Thank you for joining us for this special baptism and Father's Day service. Our services here are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. This is our family service. For ch uh, this is our family service. So during this service, we have King's Kids in the back for children, infants to 11 years old. And then we have Elevate every Friday at 7 p.m. for students 11 to 18. God's doing awesome things there. Keep on coming out, youth. You guys are awesome. How many of you guys were at the PR uh, festival last night with us? Come on. All day yesterday. 
God showed up and showed off. We had over 100 radical disciples come on out, witness, be on the streets, pour out all they had for God, and God did amazing things. So many seeds planted, lives changed, people saved and healed, and it was just awesome. So we want to thank you, MPI, for joining us, for making this another successful year, all for the glory of God. Give yourselves a hand clap one more time. And for Jesus, come on. So today we're continuing the celebration through baptisms and celebrating our dads. How many dads do we have here? If you guys could raise your hand. Any fathers in this service? So we got two in the back, three in the back there. Okay. Basically just our leaders. That's great. But thank you. We're going to celebrate dads today in a very, very big way. So join us um, for the after party in just a moment. And then we want to let you guys know about the MPI Summer Retreat right around the corner. It's going to be Friday and Saturday, July 15 and 16. We go to Baraboo, Wisconsin, and it's going to be at the Devil's Lake State Park. Awesome time getting away from the city. $50 if you want to go per person to share a room or $150 per family or per couple to have your own room. And that only includes lodging, so we're only paying for lodging. Meals are going to be on your own this year. And the deadline to register will be July 3rd. No, um, no grace on that. That is a restriction. July 3rd will be the last day to register. Please find the Eventzilla link on the website or at our Facebook event page for the summer retreat and start registering. Get your room reserved. You could pay with a uh, debit card there on the, on the, on the link. So MPI has a vision, a strategy, a goal. How many of you guys love hearing the vision, strategy, and goal every week? Does it encourage you? Come on. MPI has a vision of loving God and loving people, the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us. Our strategy is to connect, mentor, and send. We want to connect you to the church through our life groups, mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. Then we want to send you out to keep winning souls. And our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here. Did I say that again? Let me repeat that. I just missed my thought. 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. Does that get you excited? Say hallelujah. Come on. So look to your neighbor. Say it's time to get connected. This is a snapshot of all the life groups happening this week. If you turn your hand out around, you'll see the schedule for the whole quarter. Please, I want to encourage you. Find a place to get connected with you and your family. You will not regret it. So kicking it off this week is Tuesday, the Resistance Elevate Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, meeting here at the church at 6 p.m. Then Wednesdays are King's Kids Life Group, infant to 11 years old, 6.30 here at the church. God's doing awesome things with our young people. Thursday, the Gang Outreach meets at 7, 18 years and up. If you want to meet them out there, radical ministry, awesome time on the streets ministering to the lost. And every week on Fridays, we have two adult Bible studies, one at the Govea's, the other one at the Vivid's house. You have to be 18 years and up, 7 p.m., be there, get encouraged throughout the week. You don't want to live for Jesus all by your lonesome. Get connected, be a part of the body of Christ, and build those uh, church friendships throughout the week and be encouraged. Look to your neighbor and say, get mentored. We want to mentor you through the 101 and the 201 books. Our 101 book is called Welcome to Your New Life. This is done one-on-one -on -one with some of the leaders in the church that you get to pick, and they go through with you. They encourage you in your walk, walk with God. When you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class where we train you to be a leader in the church so that one day you could be ordained to be a deacon or an elder and you could be all that God has called you to be. Then we want to send you out. Somebody say send. Every Saturday from 5 to 8, we're hitting the streets, preaching the gospel. If you've never done it, I want to encourage you to go out there. It'll take your relationship with God to another level. It will 
radically change your life. It's such a powerful, powerful thing for disciples to go out and preach the gospel. Jesus told us to all go and make disciples of all the nations. And so that's what we're doing. If you want to learn how to do that, please join them on Saturdays. So in recap, MPI has a vision, a strategy, and a goal, a vision of loving God and loving people, a strategy to connect you, to mentor you, to send you out, and a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. Let me get an amen, please. Come on. How many of you guys excited to give your tithes and offerings today? Come on. You can follow along with us at gi um, givingbook.org if you want to get ready for the lesson. MPI believes that a tithe is 10% of our total income given regularly to the church. Anything above your tithe is considered an offering, and an offering is an amount between you and the Lord that God puts on your heart to give, and you are to do so generously with a cheerful heart, and we designate that towards missions and towards our building funds throughout the year. So let's get into our lesson for today. It comes from the Disciples Giving book. We're on section 2, lesson 11. Giving offerings is sharing with others. Again, the definition of offering is a gift to God after our tithe. We're going to be reading in Ephesians 4.28. Ephesians 4.28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Let's read through those three main points. Number one, sharing is caring. We heard that last week. Jesus taught his disciples in the same way they have freely received, they should also freely give. Therefore, offerings are a practical way of sharing with others what God has given you. So what God has given to us, we should freely give. And so we can't do that without God's blessing in our life. So we should do all that we do onto the Lord so that we can receive his blessing and allow it to go through our hands. Number two, work is required. Somebody say work. Money doesn't grow on trees. So the way God blesses his people is through the diligent work of their hands, not by stealing or dishonesty. So our hard work can literally change the world one person at a time. Basically, don't be lazy. Work. Get a job. Get your education. And God will bless you through that. He will not bless laziness. Okay? A lot of people say, oh, I tried tithing, but it didn't work for me. Like, I didn't, you know, I didn't get the million dollars that I wanted. Well, guess what? It doesn't work that way. Tithing has to be a faithful practice in your life. People tithe two times, and it's like, oh, I'm going to give up now. God didn't give me the 500 that I needed. Tithe for two years. Tithe for five years. Tithe for ten years. Work hard with your hands and see what God does. Let's not be lazy. The Bible says if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat, okay? Number three, needy people should work too. The Bible doesn't support the idea of handouts, but rather hand up. So the needy person must learn to work and begin to help others as soon as they can. For example, in places like India, there are needy people working hard to support their families and help others who have greater needs than themselves. So the church is the greatest giving organism on the planet. We give so much to the needy, so much across different nations that, that come into tragedy or you need food and giving to the poor and the homeless, even in our nation. But the church is not a place just for you to take, take, take. We're here to teach you how to work hard, be diligent with your hands to help you when you're in need, but then to give you a hand up, not to keep you there. Because a lot of people just want to stay where they're at, hand up. Everybody say hand up. Summary, sharing is caring. Let's apply this three ways. Number one, be a faithful tither. Number two, work hard so you can share with those in need and help them learn how to start working to meet their own needs. So we help them, then we teach them to take care of themselves, and then they could go do it for the next person. And number three, share because you care. If that gets you excited, let's confess this together on the count of three. One, two, three. 
The offering is a gift to God after the tithe and is given in a variety of ways. God said it should be a generous seed given with a cheerful heart from personal sacrifice. Offerings will always bring thanksgiving to God because they go towards charity and ministry supplies. We give offerings in obedience to God's word, sharing with others our blessings with a gracious heart by imitating Jesus and revealing where our treasure really is. Please stand up with me this afternoon as we prepare to give the Lord our tithes and offerings. Again, a tithe is 10% of your total income given regularly to the church. We designate our offering towards building and missions. You could put that on the envelope, the exact amount that you want to go towards each category. Here are four ways that you could give at MPI as they roll it on over. Number one, in the bucket during the offering. Number two, you can give in the wall-mounted drop boxes in the back. Number three, in the back with a credit or debit card. If you want to do that today, you can see Pastor Jerry. Or number four, you could go online and use Chase Quick Pay, PayPal, or Bill Pay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. Very easy, very quick and efficient. How many of you guys excited about our soul-winning summer? This is our second Sunday. God is so faithful. Those are the rest of the Sundays that we have for special outreaches. That is what you're giving is making possible. So we want to encourage you guys, if you haven't done so already, to pray, to partner, to give, because we're going to change Chicago and the world one soul at a time in this season. And we're so thankful for all of those that have jumped on board. How many of you guys uh, love our guest worship minister, Brandon Hall, and his ministry? We're so thankful for all that God is doing in him and through him and pouring into us and our band coming to another level. God is so good. So that's what you're giving uh, for the building fund offering is going for the rest of the year so that we can pay that off and just have an awesome time of soul winning and get a harvest uh, to come in. Let's recite this verse together. Philippians 4:19. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your bountiful blessings in our life. I pray that we would be found faithful, faithful tithers, faithful givers, that we would be sharing, God, with others the blessings that you've allowed to come through our hand. And I pray that you bless the gift and the giver today. May it be multiplied, used for your glory, and meet our needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Please come forward as you give this morning. We thank you so much for your generosity.
All right. How many are ready for the word? You guys ready? You ready? Come on. You brought somebody new. You ready? You're not so new, but are you ready? I think you're ready. You ready to get baptized today? Brought your mama. Come on. Hey, guys, I don't see any new fathers here. Everybody go, wah, wah. That's okay. But you're here, and everybody go, wee. So we're not going to go through a whole Father's Day spiel because there's no reason to do it. All the fathers have already been blessed. We had over 20 in the first service. We had a good time. And so guess what that means for you guys? Everybody gets steak dinners. All of you guys get steak. I think we have enough. We have about 38 left over. All of you guys are going to get the father's steak dinners that did not come or for whatever reason. We love them. We bless them. And I get seconds. I get seconds. I am not going to complain. Not going to complain. What I am going to do is I'm going to preach a totally different message as well as, as what I preached in the first. I'm going to keep it fresh. Is that okay, Jared? I'm going to keep it fresh. So everybody open up your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 8. If you have a father in your life, tell them you love them. Spend time with them today. I got to baptize my daughter today in the service, and that was amazing. That was my firstborn, eight years old. And if you wonder how that works for a pastor, we don't make our children do that. I said, whenever they're ready, they'll tell me. And she told us she was ready. And then I asked her, I said, how do you know that you're ready? And she said, well, because I love Jesus. He's in my heart. And I said, are you going to live for him? She said, I want to live for him every day. And I'll tell you what, my daughter probably knows more scripture than most adults. You know what I'm saying? So I took her at her word. And then literally she was talking it through with my wife, you know, what she was going to say when it was time for her testimony. Because we'll still do baptisms, right? We're still doing that today. And you know what's really cool is we baptized 27 people in the first service. Almost had 200 people there. But listen, we missed a few, but we went above our number, which was supposed to be 25. More people wanted to get baptized. And we'll do the same for you. If you want to get baptized, we will baptize you today. Being baptized as an infant does not count. Infant baptism is not biblical. you got to remember, whatever you see in the Bible, we do. No children got baptized. Now, somebody may think, well, does that mean that children don't get to go to heaven? No, absolutely not. Children actually belong to God. They belong to the Lord. So the Bible says the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. They don't have to worry about a, a duty of baptism to go to heaven. So we call it a believer's baptism. Everybody go believer's baptism. So that means you believe and are baptized. And so my daughter, she had a testimony. And then I, I heard it today. I said we were on the way, and Brandon and I were crying on the way to church today, just being touched, thinking about what fathers have meant to us and different things. But uh, I, I said, okay, Bethany, what are you going to say when it's your turn? And then she told me her thing, and I, and I thought, my wife surely had helped her with that. She did not come up with that on her own. And guess what? It was like, no, I came up with that on my own. I go, Nancy, did she do that? And she's like, yeah. So I want to tell you, you guys can have genuine, genuine testimonies at any age and know God. So adults, if you do not know Jesus, today you should know Jesus and get baptized. And you may say, well, I didn't come prepared. I didn't come prepared. It doesn't matter. You know why? Because in the days of the Bible, they would get baptized immediately, like right then and there. Hey, you, you want to follow me? Okay, let's go right down to the Jordan River. We're baptizing you today. And they would get their clothes wet. And by the way, most of the people in the Old Testament, uh, not Old Testament, but in, in uh, more ancient times, did not even have more than a couple pairs of clothes. So like when I was in India, it was very similar to that. You would see them wear the same thing every day, the women, the same thing day after day after day. And we used to be like that just about 50, 60 years ago. So my point is don't worry about getting your clothes wet. Do it for God. They get wet when you wash them. Does anybody wash their clothes here? 
do you wash them in air or do you wash them in water? So can your clothes get wet and you be okay? So there you go. If you want to get baptized, my daughter did it. You can do it. And it doesn't matter if you have clothes or not. Brothers, can you bring me the keyboard? Because my computer, of course, when I needed it most, it let me down. I am not connected. If you guys ever wonder what we do here, I actually have a program that connects me directly to that computer in the back and lets me control it and make it mine. But uh, it stopped and did not work. Thank you. Is everybody in Romans chapter 8? If you're there, say I'm there. Okay, today's message is going to be entitled New Life, New Life. And uh, I'm preaching this right off the top of my head. That should be interesting. We should have fun with this. But what I want to do is go through every verse here and give you guys what the Word says. And then if you guys have any questions at the end, I'll get some feedback from you, okay? So New Life is the name of the message. No notes. Most of you guys know I always have notes online. Here they are for today's first service message. We talked about our Heavenly Father. You guys would have loved that. Talked about my kids. Talked about four things our Heavenly Father is. Our Heavenly Father has a kingdom. Our Heavenly Father is a good father. Our Heavenly Father loves to adopt. And our Heavenly Father sent Jesus so that you should accept him as his greatest gift. Okay, so you guys got that message. Can I hear an amen? You guys can always go online, mpichurch.org, to check it out. And the first service is the one that always goes on video. If you didn't know, our website, let me just show you how this works right here. This is our website. Anytime you guys go to the website, you can go right here to where it says sermons. Everybody say sermons. And you can see all the different sermons in our sermon series. So here they are. We're in the Spiritual Discipline Sermon Series. We've paused right now for today. But you can go back and watch all those. And like always, they always come with their notes and then the video. And there it is right there. There's that handsome guy. How many love that guy right there? Let's see what he's talking about. Let's listen to him a little bit. Maybe I'll sit down and just relax with you guys and do nothing and look bored. Can I get away with that? No. You guys aren't bored, are you? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Oh, there he is. He sounds the same. Okay. And then if you guys want to know where your service is, second service, because second service doesn't go to the video. Normally I'll preach about the same first and second service, but your service is always under Watch Live Archives, and this will be like the Matrix right now because literally we're live. Everybody go, hey. So this is live right now. This is me literally right now. Which one is me, the me here or the me there? Which one? Which one? And so then when you guys go here, you'll see your messages are right here on the side. I'll go here and, and show you. I got this zoomed in. I'll show you guys right here. And by the way, this one right here is a, uh, a podcast. So it goes also to iTunes. And then you'll see the first service right here or second service. So that's where your messages always are. Right under sermons. Everybody go sermons. Then go to archives, and look at this guy. He's following me. He's doing everything I'm doing. How is that possible? How is that possible? <laughs> you, guys don't even, you guys don't even find that funny. I'm laughing at myself right now. You can laugh at me, look bored or whatever, but I'm having fun. In a little bit, I won't be laughing. I'll be probably preaching really hot and heavy, and you guys will be like, why is this pastor mad at me? I wasn't mad. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, okay? Don't get mad at me because some of you guys are in sin, not going to heaven, going to hell. See, things like that get people upset, but that's what I got to talk about when I talk about new life. Everybody say new life because not everybody has a new life. You can only have new life if you're born again. You have to be born again to have new life. If you're not born again, you have what kind of life? 
Come on, use your imagination. If you've got to be born again to have new life, you're not born again. What do you have? Old life. Somebody needs a treat for saying old life. You guys are smart. Come on. If you don't have new life, you have old life. Good. Now, how many here have new life? How many of you have come to Jesus and said, Lord, I want to be forgiven of my sins? Now, we love it if you haven't. Twenty-seven people said they had not done that before and did today. So we're always open for that. How long would you say you had new life, Adam? Seven? Look at that. My daughter got baptized at seven. And how old are you now? Twenty-seven, living for Jesus, married. How many want to keep living for Jesus for 20 years? Let's see who's been living for Jesus the longest here. I want to see who's been living for Jesus the longest, okay? If you've been living, let's all stand up. Let's all stand up, okay? We're going to do a Holy Ghost aerobics. If you've been living for Jesus less than five years, sit down. Less than five years. Five years, okay? If you've been living for Jesus more uh, excuse me, less than 10 years, sit down, less than 10 years. If you've been living for Jesus less than 15 years, sit down. 20 years, sit down. If you've been living for Jesus less than 25 years, sit down. That would be me. For me, it's been 21 years. Pastor Brandon, how long have you been living for Jesus? That's 26 years. Let's give it up for Pastor Brandon. And let me just tell you something. Let me just tell you something about Pastor Brandon. That's not religion since five. That is literally knowing Jesus, serving the Lord. Now, some of you might go, well, prove it. I'll prove it by this because I take him at his word. Virgin. 31-year-old virgin. You know that dude's living for Jesus. They still exist. They still exist. He's been living for God since he was five years old. When did you start playing drums and everything? Four years old. When I met him and he got hired at the church I was at, you were 18 or 19. 19 years old, he was a professional musician being paid to play for a 500-member church. That's the church I worked at at 19. His dad would not lie. His brother would not lie. That is the truth. Guys, we can all live for Jesus 26 years. Amen. All right, so new life. In this chapter, Paul has obviously been talking for a while or writing for a while. We're in what's known as a chapter, so we're in chapter 8. He's already been going on for about seven uh, chapters. In these previous chapters, he's talking about he is no longer an old person in, in his old ways, in his sinful ways. He's now a new person. So just back up a little bit. Back that thing up to uh, Romans chapter 7, verse 24. He says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Does everybody believe that one point or another your body is going to die? Okay, that is your first life. So without Jesus, your body dies. And then if you don't know him, you go to hell. This is what he's talking about. This is the lot of all mankind. We die, we go to hell. That's what we deserve. We're sinners. And he says, what a wretched man that I am. So if you're not born again, you're still a wretched person. And you can't sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And remember this, Jesus only saves sinners. 
He doesn't save religious goody two-shoes, people that think they're pretty good. He only saves wretched people, people who look at their sinfulness and realize how bad they are. See, if you look at yourself and don't think you're too bad, you're looking in the wrong mirror. You're looking in the wrong mirror. You're comparing yourself to your buddy, or you look at Hitler, and you go, man, I look really good compared to Hitler. Put Jesus on the other side of your reflection and see how you look to him. You'll be like, what a wretched person I am. Jesus forgave his enemies every time, and I don't. Jesus never lusted, and I lust. Jesus never lied, and I lie. Jesus never sinned in his anger, and I sinned in my anger. Jesus always did the will of the Father. And it's hard for me just to get to church on Sunday, let alone read my Bible on Monday. Hello. And so we see we're wretched people. But Paul doesn't stop there. He says, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. How many here can say they've been delivered? That means you've been saved not just from the devil. Watch this. You've been saved from yourself yourself. Come on, get some swag and say, myself. You've been saved from yourself. You are your worst enemy. Because listen, the devil cannot make you do what you don't want to do. There is a principle that God put in create. Oh my goodness, we got a father here today. Give it up for Ramon. Come on, Ramon, you're coming to the front. I'm going to embarrass you. Ramon, no, no, come on up. Go back, back. No, no, I'm gonna, I'll just talk to you where you're at. Ramon, Ramon. Ramon, there was no other fathers that had come except we're at the first service. So I'm going to give you my word to the fathers. Are you ready for this, Ramon? No pressure, no pressure. I got a word for you. Um, put up my Facebook post because my dad talked about it. Okay, four things that a father should know. My dad said, my dad's been a father for my, my whole life, 39 years. So here's the advice of a godly man. He was a Christian businessman. Is it okay if I talk to the father real quick? And by the way, we got plenty of steaks. We're going to give you two steaks, okay? Even though you didn't come up here, and let me hug you. You still, you still have a chance. Come on, Ramon. 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 Give it up for Ramon as he comes. Okay. All right. I'll just hug you. I love you. God bless you. And where's Joe B? There he is. Your dad came. Go sit next to your dad. Come on. Come on. That's awesome. Okay, thank you. Let me, uh, I'll enlarge this. Okay, so my dad was at uh, the first service, and here are the four things that he told men to remember as fathers. Some of these awesome baptisms right here. Let me show you the uh, other fathers here today. There was... Um, there was about 25 fathers here today, all lined up. We went shoulder to shoulder, Ramon. You would have loved it. How do I, what am I doing? Let me, <laughs> let me get out of there. Get out of there quick. Okay, so this is what my dad, my pawpaw, there he is talking in the first service. Here's, oh, there we go. I got to push this button. Stuff's starting to work a little bit now. Okay. Here's the four things my dad wanted to let a father know. If you want to be a great father, even, of course, as they've left the house, because we know Job, is Joby out the house or is he still with you? Oh, okay, especially then for Joby, especially while he's still in the house. you got to know the devil is your number one enemy. He's going to come and attack you. So here are the four things we need to know about his mode of operation, his modus operandi. He's, he's a deceiver, so don't let him lie to you. Guard the truth. Guard it. Keep it safe. The devil, he's a destroyer. 
And he loves to try to come against our health as men. High blood pressure, not eating right, and all those things. So guards your health. He is an accuser. He'll try to tell you you're a bad dad, give up, don't do anything right, you don't do anything right. So guard your heart and conscience. Don't let yourself get discouraged. And then lastly, he tries to control us as his little marionette, as his puppets. So don't let that happen. Guard your will and say, not my will be done, but your will be done. Can I, give an a- can I get an amen for that? Amen. That was our special word to our Father here today. Amen. All right, so going back to what we're talking about here, Paul said, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, because I am, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he's delivered by Jesus, and he says, so then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful, excuse me, so then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature or flesh, a slave to the law of God. And so now this is what he's saying, is that even though I have been changed, I still have a body of death I carry around, and it's going to try to make me its slave. How many have ever noticed your appetite will try to make you its slave? Has anybody ever noticed your attitude tried to make you its slave? Has anybody ever, a woman here at a certain time of the month, had your hormones try to make you its slave? I've got three daughters right now, and the fourth daughter is on the way, and I don't have no idea what that's going to be like. I just know right now they're already acting like little girls. Little girls obviously just are beautiful and precious, but they got some attitude on them, and they get it from their mom, of course. They got a way about them. I got to keep my eye on them. And already I can tell when they get mad at each other, their tone changes. And I can tell like when Bethany's mad at Hannah, because you know how women have like a certain way of saying somebody's name. Like Joseph James Y. Rostick, you come here. That'd be like my mom, you know. And I can already hear like in little Bethany, she's like, Hannah, Hannah, stop it, Hannah. And I can already tell that's the woman in you. That's the woman right there changing your voice, calling out somebody's name. And, and dudes, dudes, how many know, how many know your, your Willy Wonka, if I can say it in a Christian way, will try to make you its slave? Are we adults here? You're not supposed to live by that, are you? But men will let that guide their life. And you may think to yourself, well, Pastor, that's just dirty, perverted man. If a man doesn't have Jesus, nine times out of ten, he's being led by his Willy Wonka. I'm telling you that right now. I've, I'm, a, I'm around men. I'm around businessmen. I'm around people that have a lot of stuff. I'm around poor. I'm around every poor, right back, pink, purple. I'm telling you, if a man does not have Jesus, ladies, he is being led by his cucumber. He is being led by the wrong thing. And the Bible says that that will lead to death. So it's not hormones that lead you. It's not your sexuality that leads you. When people say, I'm in the wrong body, they're being led by their body, by their feelings. Their feelings are making them a slave. I'm not saying their feelings aren't genuine. You may have feelings for the same sex. I have feelings for multiple people to have sex with. Do I follow those feelings? Hello? And I have feelings sometimes of hurting people. Do I follow those feelings? You ever drive in Chicago traffic? Don't you tell me you don't feel like hurting nobody. You drive in Chicago traffic. We'll take the most holy of us and put you in traffic. In about 10 minutes, you're about ready to hurt something. Have you guys seen the Christian, the Christian in traffic? Oh, you guys have got to see this, man. The devil's such a liar. Yes, let me put it up here. I'm going to show you guys the Christian in traffic. Am I still on Facebook? Okay, guys, watch this right here. My friend put this up. 
I'm going to entertain you guys a little bit and get back to the Bible. Everybody say new life. It is coming, by the way. That sermon is coming. But I want to show you how Christians are in traffic because your body will try to make you a slave. This came from Joe from the Calio, one of the men I used to minister to in New Orleans. And um, he sent this to me about how we get in traffic. And I'm going to find it. It's coming up. Let's get to it right about here. That's my dad sending me that on a big wheel. He was getting all sentimental. How many used to have tricycles, big wheels, anybody can relate to that? Okay. Okay, that's me, the gringo Latino. Does anybody see that? I made that little tortilla thing. Okay, man, did I pass it up? Let, let me put this up here. If not, I'm going to go get it on his page. Because this is going to bless some of you guys. This is going to bless you right here. See, if you see me pass up a video of a dude in a car. I passed it? Okay, let me just get to his page. I'll get it really fast. Whose page am I? Whose Facebook is this? Okay, you should be able to have this guy come up. that guy. We don't want to hear from that guy. We want to hear from this one. M Y There we go. Let's hope he doesn't have like high-tech security systems. He was a young man in the Calio projects. Did not know his father. His mother was on drugs. He was discipled in our church as a young man. He used to do his devotions in the bathroom because that was the only place he could have a safe place to pray. He then eventually moved out of his parents' house, uh, his mom's house. He went and joined the military, did special ops, can't even tell me about what he did, married a godly woman, and uh, is still serving the Lord. And he puts up a lot of this funny stuff right here. Just, Lord, help me find it. Otherwise, I want to have you guys. Oh, here we go. We got volume on this? Whoa. Whoa. This is. This is how some people act in traffic.
I can't take him yelling no more. But I will be honest with you, that is like my wife and me sometimes in traffic. Does anybody else want to tell on themselves and be honest that sometimes you? I just thought that was so so funny. It's like, damn, nation is all over <laughs> Like, dude, I want a Christian curse so many times in traffic. But here's the point. Here's the point. We are new creations in Christ, but the body still remains and tries to make us its slave. Our hormones try to make us its slave. Our attitude tries to make us our slave. And so what Paul is saying is, I know there's a battle going on, but I'm going to trust Jesus and follow him. Everybody say new life. Okay, a lot of you getting baptized today, five of you. This is a good place to remember the scripture to teach you what to do in life. It says, therefore, there is there now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Everybody say free. Thank you. So think of it like this. The law of sin and death is upon that body. That's why it has to die. Jesus raised from the dead to show us that he conquered the physical body. You and I have the curse of sin on the body. That's why I'm getting wrinkles. My hair is turning gray. But Jesus delivers me from the body. But does the deliverance start only when I die? That's when I get to go to heaven. I'm finally free from the body. No, I am free from its power now. Because the power that the body has is the power of sin. And Jesus died for our sins. Does everybody see that? So if you're in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. And what that means is there's no guilt now when you mess up living for God because if you're truly repentive, you will always be forgiven. Forgiveness is a blessing and a benefit for the Christian. The world thinks they're going to get it because they went to Father Tom or they just felt bad one day. But repentance is not an apology and it's not going to confessional booths. And, and telling on yourself your naughty little secrets. No, what, what repentance is, is coming to your father in the relationship you have with him saying, I know I did wrong, cleanse me, wash me, clean me, so I can go forth and keep doing your will. That's why I don't have condemnation. I don't have guilt because I know I don't want to do it anymore. The person who says, I'm going to uh, you know, ask for forgiveness to sin again, again, and again, and they're like on that gerbil wheel, the forgiveness never comes because they don't have true repentance or relationship. So it's like, God, forgive me for having sex with my girlfriend, but I'm going to do it again tonight because it's really, really fun. So then forgive me for having sex with my girlfriend, but it's really fun and I like doing it. So forgive me, but I want to do it again tonight. See, that's not true repentance. You don't get forgiven of that. The path of righteousness is not a broken record. The path of righteousness is moving forward, moving towards God and moving away from sin. Can I hear an amen? That's what Paul is saying. I am now set free from the law of sin and death, starting right now. That's why the Bible said when Jesus was talking to his disciples, he said, if you want to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and then now follow me. The denial is where you say, I can't save myself. I deny me trying to do this on my own. I admit I'm a sinner and I failed. What is the cross? Dying to your sinful ways. You're carrying it with you everywhere you go as a living sacrifice. Sacrifice, and then following him is hearing those commands. Can I hear an amen? Thank you. Now keep going. Look at verse 3. Paul says, For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering, and so he condemned sin in the 
the flesh. Where is sin on you? Where is it at? In the flesh. And God the Son came in the flesh. And when he was getting crucified, he was getting crucified in the flesh. And then the Father put the sin of all of the world upon his flesh. So Jesus defeated sin in your flesh. That is awesome. That's a new life right there. So by the Spirit, I put to deeds, I put to death the deeds of the flesh. I no longer have to live by them, Paul said in uh, Galatians. Let's keep going. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be met, fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the what? So the new life, do I live according to my flesh or do I live according to the Spirit? The Spirit. Now, Ask yourself, have I been born again, and do I have the biblical evidence of a new life? Because anybody can say they're born again, and they can call that make-believe. We could call that make-believe. How many of you could say the phrase right now, I am a millionaire? How many of you have the potential to say that? You can. Everybody can say potentially, just with your words, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire. How many could say that? Come on, with your words. Does it make it true? Okay. How many of you know people that could say, I'm a Christian, but it doesn't make it true? Hello? How many of you have heard of pastors that said, I'm a Christian, but it wasn't true? So how do you know if you're truly a Christian? Because you could be deceiving yourself. Some of the biggest and loudest lies we tell are the ones we tell ourselves, right? How we know is by looking at our life. Do I live according to the flesh? Do I do what the flesh wants or do I do what God wants? If you were to be honest with yourself right now, according to that definition, are you born again in the spirit, living a new life? Or are you a slave to your flesh? That's the difference. Somebody may say, well, pastor, nobody's perfect. That's not what it says. It says how you live, how you live. In Galatians chapter 5, it says, let me just put it up here so everybody can see it. Everybody go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 21, please. I want you to see Paul wrote that same letter, and he said it in a very similar way here, but I think it will shed a little bit of light here. Galatians chapter 5. Say, start around verse uh, chapter 21. Now watch this. This is a list of sins that your flesh wants to do. The acts of the flesh are obvious. How many know sin is obvious? Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. As I warn you, as I did before, that those who what? Those who what? Live like this will not inherit what? The kingdom of God. Do you live like that? The question isn't, have you done that? The question is, do you live like this? Since being a Christian, have I done some of the things on this list? Yes. And does God forgive me? Yes. Have, since being a Christian, have I given in to selfish ambition? Do you think I have? You don't have to like be like, oh, I don't want to judge you because then you'll judge me. And I'm like, for sure, I don't want to be judged. And the Bible says judge not lest you be judged. But let's just like be smart according to the Bible. Let's like be smart like how we would get a babysitter. Do you judge your babysitter before they come to babysit your kids? Yeah, you kind of do that. And the Bible says we should judge by fruit, by action, right? So let me ask you a question. You don't know everything about my life, but you've got a good idea because I preach at you every week. Do you ever think that I have done something out of selfishness? Probably have. Do you think I've ever done something out of a fit of rage or anger? Yeah. Do you think I've ever maybe been jealous? Yeah, these are some of mine. Now, do you think I've had an orgy lately? No, I haven't. 
But guess what? On this list, they're all treated the same. They're sins. So that's why when I talk to somebody from the same sex attraction thing, they're like, well, what happens to homosexuals? Do they go to hell, et cetera? I go, listen to me. All sinners go to hell. All born-again people go to heaven. That's the dividing line. It's not what sins you have done and what sins I have done. It's not listing out these things. It's what God has said. Does everybody get that? So God says, born-again people go to heaven. Those who are not go to hell. So if I did it, have, did have an orgy as a Christian, what would I need to do to continue to go to heaven? Repent and really mean it. Now, are there qualifications for me being a pastor that that would disqualify me from being a pastor? Yes, I could still be a child of God on my way to heaven if I oopsie-doopsie had an orgy, but I could no longer lead you anymore because I need to be a man of my word and testimony. When was the last time I had sex outside of my marriage? It was before I was a Christian and sometime in 95, hello? And I had to go to the clinic a couple times, to be honest with you, right? And then when was the last time I looked at pornography? 96, 96, right? So I'm a testimony that a man can live pure. When was the last time I was drunk? Sometime in 95, hello? So there are things on this list that I have never done since being a Christian. But there are some things I've done since being a Christian. I wish I could say, I haven't done anything selfish since like 95, but like probably did something selfish like two days ago, you know? Like Brandon was there, and I had to repent him for something, right? It's like these things we can relate to. But go back to Paul and what he is saying. Go back to what he says here in this Romans chapter 8. He says that Christ died in the flesh so that the sin in our flesh could be dealt with in order that the righteous requirements of the law, those things we ought to do, those commandments, might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. And you see, I cannot live in these things, as Galatians says, because I will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul says, if you continue in living in those things, you will go to hell. Does everybody get that? So do I believe in the security of our salvation? Absolutely. I will not lose my salvation like I lose a set of keys or something. And my wife loses her phone like every day. Now, can I blame her? And you guys are like, oh, don't make fun of her. She's a mom with a lot of kids. I understand that. I, I can't blame her. She's got four kids. She homeschools. She's pregnant. But I'm telling you, if she has to use my phone one more time to do the Find My Phone app, I'm just going to do something. I don't know because you think it's so cute and cuddly. But it is annoying when my wife keeps losing her phone because I have to stop using mine. She has to go and look for a bing, bing, bing. And it always happens right before we want to go somewhere. Now listen to me, that is a part of my selfish ambition, but listen, we won't lose salvation like my wife loses her phone. You won't accidentally be like, oh man, I'm not going to heaven anymore, what just happened, God? I thought we were, we were tight. No, listen, you walk away from salvation when you decide to live in the flesh. And you will know the decision in your heart is a willful disobedience. And it could be over things you don't even think matter. It could be over something just as simple as bitterness, jealousy, and fits of rage. Let me give you an example or hatred right here. Watch this. So let's say right now you're a Christian. You're coming to church. And God says, forgive your enemies. But somebody in this church bothers you, offends you, writes something nasty about you on Facebook. You bring it to the church. We handle it. We talk to them but you still got something in your heart against them. God says to you, forgive them. 
but you don't want to forgive them because you don't think they deserve to be forgiven. They should have known better and not put your business out like that. So now you're upset with them and you are going to hold it against them because you don't think they really meant that we're sorry. Hello. You can tell I've been pastoring for a little while, right? I got some real life stories I could tell you too. You want me to name some names? That'll make you guys not want to come back. That's okay. No, I'm kidding. But watch. You'll think to yourself, no, this is okay, but God will start to deal with you. He'll say, forgive, and then you will choose not to. He'll say, forgive, you will choose not to. And then you know what will happen is your heart becomes hard. And you will know it. When you're honest with yourself, you'll say, I don't feel his presence like I used to. And then what will happen to the hard heart is you'll begin to fill it with other things. And those other things generally will come to sin. You'll start filling it instead of with prayer, with gossip. You'll start filling it with jealousy and other things because now you'll be watching them more closely. Oh, look at them. Look at and now what once used to be a small little weed in your heart has now choked out the fruit. And now that choice has brought the consequence, you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You didn't accidentally walk away. You purposely walked away. And I remember talking to my friend. He's also a pastor, great man of God, Troy Bond in New Orleans. His son's not serving Jesus. And I was like, what's that like? If you know that if you were to die, he goes to hell. What is that like for you? And he was like, it breaks my heart. He said, but that's not going to get me to stop serving God. And I say, explain to me what that means. I, like, I want to know more about that. And he goes, think about this. God created us, created Adam and Eve, and, get, and still gave them a choice. And so he allows his own creation to go to hell. How much more so can I, uh, uh, how, how much more so should I allow them to make their own choice? If God allowed Adam and Eve to make their own choice, I should let my son or daughter make their own choice. And it just blew my mind. And then I said, well, what did you say to him? Because he smokes weed and he's an adult now. And he, you know, basically kicked him out the house. He can come around, but he just can't live there and all that. Best thing my parents ever did for me at 16 was kick me out the house. But anyways, uh, when, when he talks to him, this is what he says to him. He says, and I won't mention his name, but he says, son, I know you love me. I know you say with your words you want to do better, but your actions say differently. And so by your actions, I have to go by that and then enact the consequence. So we may say, like in marriage, we love our spouses, but our actions will show different if we cheat on them or keep looking at pornography. We may say we love our friends, right, but if our actions show differently, gossiping, et cetera. And so what he was saying is when people show you who you are, this is a meme, this will be cute, I'll say it where everybody will get it. When people show you who they are, believe it and not their words. When people show you who they are, believe it and not their words. And so God is saying the same thing. You can say you're a Christian all day long, but that's make-believe. No different than you saying you're a millionaire, not being one. If you're going to say you're a Christian, live like you're a Christian. Otherwise, you will perish and walk away and go to hell. And the, and the path to hell, the path to hell is the one that you have paved. You pave it with your decisions and your actions. Let's keep going. That's happy talk, right? Does anybody want to get to some other happy talk? Somebody say new life. Let me get here. Verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their what set on the flesh? Have their what? Have their mind set on the flesh and what it desires. But those who live accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the? So have you ever felt a battle going on in your mind? Has anybody here ever had an argument with their self before? Amen. Let's first start with this. Does anybody think? How many of you have a brain? Okay, some of you are not raising your hands. I guess you're brain dead. How many of you have a brain? 
How many of you have a mind? How many of you think to yourself? Okay, let's go one more time. How many of you ever argued with yourself? What's going on? I thought, I thought you liked yourself. I thought you agree with yourself, right? Don't you look good when you look in the mirror, right? But why are we arguing with ourselves? Do we have two selves? One Dr. Jekyll, one Mr. Hyde? One nice person, one bad person? No, what is going on? You have a flesh that has its desires. It comes from the body. Remember we talked about that before? And then you have the mind and the conscience God gave you. And so you decide whether you live by this body of death. How many know people in Hollywood are spending a lot of money on their body, but it still dies? Hello? How many know there's a lot of people in the gym today working it out, gym tan laundry, but it still dies? Right? How many are working on their spirit? How many working on listening to the spirit? Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you know you did something according to your flesh? Don't tell me. But when was the last time? Just think of it. Are you that attuned to when you know you did wrong? When was the last time now you did something to the Spirit? You know this was the Holy Spirit. And I want to use an example. Cecily yesterday did not want to come to the Puerto Rican outreach, but she knows God told her to come. And when she was out there, she got scared from doing it and started to cry, and she knew that was her flesh, but in her spirit she said, I'll stay. She let me teach her, get over it, and then she became strong, and she put to death her flesh and lived in boldness. Is that not true, Cecily? Let's give it up for Cecily. Right, Josh? Now think about that. She decided to take her mind off of her flesh, off of the body of death, and she put it onto the spirit. Okay, how's that going for you? How well are you at that? How often are you wishy-washy in that? The Bible says the double-minded person's unstable. Well, I'm not going to do bad, but I end up doing it anyway. Oh, I'll, I'll read my Bible. No, I'm just too tired. How many of you do, do that? Christians can live double-minded for a long time. You'll wonder why you're just going in circles. You know, nothing's changing. Life's not getting different. You're not seeing fruit in your life. I was thinking about this. Uh, somebody wrote me. I won't mention their name because uh, I am not that kind of pastor. I do have my boundaries. I do have my boundaries, Pastor Brandon. But I would say this. They wrote me, and they're like, Pastor, I'm sorry I couldn't come the yesterday to the outreach, and I can't come tomorrow. And, and I'm just like thinking to myself, it's, it's not about you and me. See, you, you, you're hearing me talk. And then you think, I obey Joe, and when I can't obey Joe, I'll tell Joe when I can't obey him. But this is the thing. You know, there, there was a little song, listen to my body talk. You remember that one? Oh, you don't remember? Listen to my body talk. Y'all don't remember? Oh, that's a good thing. You better stay that way, too. Now listen. Let me tell you this old song. I think it was like Cindy Lauper. Listen to my body talk. Some of you guys are going to be like, what kind of pastor is this? I can't find it. I'm not going to wait. Oh, Donna Summer. Listen to this. This will teach you guys a lesson about the flesh. Somebody say the flesh. That's the old life. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Tell me this is not something that Lady Gaga would sing and you all would think it would be cool. But this is Donna Summer. This is back in my day, the 80s, pop music. I used to hear this stuff on the radio going to school. I can tell by the way you stare at me. It's deep, real deep. Your mind's messed up. Words just don't come easily. It should be natural. 
your invitation, baby. Turn my head around. Quiet conversation. Language without sound. Body talk. Work your body. Everybody, let your body talk. Body talk. Work your body. Everybody needs some body talk. Y'all acting like you don't have your body talking to you. Donna Summer's more smart than most people. She understands where it's coming from. It's coming from her body. And she wants to let her body talk. Let my body talk. And you better let your body talk. Now, how many knows if we all let our body talk, we're going to get into a mess real quick, right? Somebody's going to walk up to some other man's wife. You know, I'm going to let my body talk, right? Hello. Then another body's going to walk up to somebody and take their keys and go, my body wants to roll out of here in your car tonight. Then we're going to start fighting, right? Hello. You see, when you set your mind on the body, on the flesh, it's always going to go towards evil. But when you set your mind towards the spirit, what do you think the spirit's talking about right now? What do you think? The spirit's obviously lifting up Jesus. But look at Paul back here in Galatians. What does he say? This is what he says the spirit is thinking about. But the fruit of the spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. There's laws against the things our body talks about. How many are glad for some of those laws? Pedophilia, are you glad there's a law against that? Can I just make the prediction we've been making for years? It's called the slippery slope. We say same-sex attraction is normal eventually. I'm not saying everybody same-sex attracted is, is a pedophile, but listen to what I'm saying. We will then say pedophilia is normal because what we are doing is changing standards of what sex is. If sex is not about God and creation and procreation, sex is a feeling, you open that box up, my friend. There's a lot of feelings, trust me, that you don't ever want to see or hear about. I had to study that when I studied sexuality. And these people are pushing their agenda right behind the homosexual agenda. Once again, listen to me. I'm not an ignoramus. I know homosexuals. I know lesbians. I know they're not pedophiles. But listen to me. They are using the same exact arguments. And this is their argument. A child of age-making ability should be able to choose their sexual partners. They're not saying, let us molest three-year-olds. No, no. They're not even into molestation. What they're saying, listen to their thoughts so you don't hear it first out there. Listen to what they say. An eight-year-old knows what they like and don't like, right? I mean, eight-year-old knows I want to wear this. My girls definitely tell my, my wife what they want to wear, right? They know what food they like. Well, why can't I date her then? Why can't a 30-year-old date her? You don't have the Bible as your standard, my friend. You want to let the Supreme Court judge on that? Give them 20 years, and they'll say, go ahead. Get the parents' permission, the child's permission. As long as it's not molest or rape, you can date a 7-year-old as a 40-year-old man. And they have websites that I've had to study. And the boys who grew up like this say, I'm so thankful that a man taught me my sexuality. I was 8 years old when he asked me out. It was so taboo, but I went on dates with this, and it's so gross and disgusting. But they are following the same logic, the same logic. God doesn't give me morality. Body talk, body talk. Somebody let their body talk. Well, have you ever heard of abortion? Body talk, body talk. Let me hear your body talk. I don't want this in me. This is a virus. I had sex last night with somebody I didn't even know, and now I'm missing my period or whatever a couple days later. I don't need this. 
I got too much pressure going on in life. Come on, give me a break. I'm not supposed to keep this. Body talk. Hello. See where it leads us? We're killing our children. We're turning into perverted culture, and it's only a matter of time before we say, body talk, body talk, kill the old people, body talk, euthanasia, followed right along in Hitler's plan. Hitler, Margaret Sanger, who has developed Planned Parented, listen to the history of Planned Parented. My friend Jared, raise your hand, has worked in the abortion ministry for many, many years. He will teach you about uh, Margaret Singer and Hitler. It was ca it's called eugenics. Google it, search it. Eugenics is this. You decide who gets to live and who gets to die. When you have the power, you control life. Old people, they're a burden on society. Handicapped people, a burden on society. Well, that would never happen. Down syndrome, you ever heard of that? What are they telling parents with Down syndrome now? Some of the ethicists or eth uh, the people who teach ethics are called what? Ethicists, thank you. They are now saying you are viable to kill your child up to a year. Not retarded, not, uh, and I mean retarded in the real physical way. Normal, healthy children you can kill up into a year. And they're not at little stupid places. They have degrees and they believe it and they're teaching it in the universities because the child still doesn't have in their mind a sense of pain. Because you don't remember what you did at one years old, right? You don't remember. So you can still be killed. Grandpa can still be killed. You see, that's what happened when we let our bodies talk, right? How do dictators raise up? How do gangs raise up? How do gangs raise up? They're listening to their body talk. Men, come on, all the men look up at me. Are you? I got some real men here, make some noise, right? You ever feel threatened? You ever feel angry? What does your body want to do when your blood pressure rises? Come on. When somebody screams and holler at you. We are literally living in a Chirac environment. Why? Because people are letting their body talk. And we've got to shut it down, don't we? How many want to live according to the spirit? How many want love, joy, peace, and all those great things? I'm going to be wrapping up. Only got to verse 5, but it's tight, but it's right. Amen. Those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires, but those who live according to the spirit have their mindset on what the spirit desires. Let's go down to verse 6. Watch this. The mind governed by the flesh is what? But the mind governed by the spirit is what? Wow. Brandon, would you come please? Think about that. The mind governed by the flesh is what? Death. How many times does it lead to death? How many sins lead to death? All of them. What did Adam and Eve do? Murder somebody? No, 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 they didn't just, no, they didn't just disobey. I mean, they, what did they do? They, they started killing babies, right? Isn't that what Adam and Eve did? No, no, they didn't just get kicked out the garden for disobey. Don't tell me that God's that strict. Adam and Eve must have did something terrible. Did they, did they gas another race like Hitler and Auschwitz? No. You guys know the truth. What did Adam and Eve do? Disobey. Not murder not rape, not all of that. They disobeyed. God said, here's your way out. There is a tree set before you. That's the knowledge of good and evil will, where you will be in charge of what you call good, what you call evil. That's your way out. If you want to stay, here's a tree of life. Just eat it. Have life and peace. Have the, the Bible says they were naked, 
and unashamed. Now there's a reality show called Naked and Afraid. They throw naked people into a jungle and try to say, survive. And they're naked and afraid. No, Adam and Eve were in a garden, naked and unashamed, not afraid, eating the tree of life. Life and peace. Life and peace. One mindset. One disobedience. Death. How much more so the things you see today? How much more so the things we got so numb to? It's normal. We've gotten so used to idolatry, we don't even think it's idolatry anymore. We don't. We listen to musicians and sports entertainers and these people, and we literally think there's something of value to us. And yet we're not being honest. We've made them idols. People will listen to the, the world and actually put their opinion before God. Think about that. Making an idol. Think about all the standards of your world that have changed. Think about that. All these things the Bible says not to do, we have somehow found a way. I, I'm going to get in there. It, it's not envy. It's not, no, 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 it's not envy. It's just what I deserve. That's why I hate on what that person has. No, it's not bitterness. It's just me telling the truth every time I see their friends. I got to tell them what I think about them, you know. It's not perversion. This is just the way God made me, and I have to look at the pretty flowers and the pretty girls. That's just, that's not perversion. No, no. It's just, no, it's not greed. It's not greed. It's not greed. It's just, I'm smarter than you, and if, if I can get away with it, then I probably should have your money. Hello. It's not corruption. It's not lying. It's just making the truth a little bit bendable so I can get elected. Hello. How often do we make these changes in our life to put our mind on the flesh, but not understanding it leads to death? Where are some things that you've gone in life with the flesh and seen some death? I'm not talking about literal death, but spiritual death. Did you try a relationship that you knew better and it died? Did you try to go down a path with some friends and those friendships ended? Did you ever try to go down a way of doing things, a way of thinking about things, and you realized after doing it, man, this don't feel right. It's death. Why? Because it is of death. But the spirit is life. Somebody say life. I'm going to go right here quickly in closing. Look, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile towards God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. That's why when I preach like this, I purposely preach long. I purposely preach boldly because I want to see where your mind is. Brandon will tell you we're probably one of the most funnest people to be around. But why do I preach like this? Because I want to want you to see your mind for what it is. I don't want to entertain you. I'm not here to make you laugh all the time or whatever. I'm here to make you see the Word of God. Think about that. And if you're hostile towards it, it's because your mind is not right. When people get angry at me and they're like, Pastor, you, one of my friends came to hear me preach. He hadn't seen me since high school. And he was like, man, you are crazy. Let me tell you this. First of all, you kept my attention the whole time. Most of these guys put me to sleep. He said, but the other thing is you offended me more than anybody I've ever heard. He's like, you tell me some of my friends are going to hell. I'm going to hell because he, he was living with his girlfriend. I'm going to hell. This, he's like, but I said, listen. 
do you now know there's a hell? Do you now know what the Bible says about that hell? I mean, you can choose to believe it or not to believe it, but at least you're not going to walk around thinking what Father Tom says is right. There's no purgatory, friends. There's no second chances at this. This is life. This is serious. This is what we do on planet Earth for our Creator. We choose here life or death. We choose in the mind what will set it upon. And Paul is teaching us, you turn away from God, you're hostile. You're literally God's enemy. God loves his enemies, but will judge them one day. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. I had a man, uh, I was listening to a radio show, rather, and the man wrote in and said, you know, what about heroes in military? What about great fathers and great mothers? Don't they get a leg up in heaven? I mean, yeah, they weren't born again. They didn't do it that way, the way you Christians talk about. But don't they get some credit up there? I mean, the Bible says no greater love has a man than this and to lay down his life for his brothers. I mean, a man's, uh, you know, World War II, they're going, storming the beaches of Normandy. You know, one of these mortars comes there. It's, it's, it's about ready to explode. He jumps on that mortar, gives his life for his brothers. The, the you know, doesn't doesn't he get something up there for that? I mean, just because he wasn't born again, don't tell me God's that that mean. Don't tell me he's the kind of God that kicks out people for disobedience. He did all that good stuff. And the guy answered back, just like I'm answering right now. You're not born again, you're hostile towards God. The way that man lived, even up until his last moment, was out of his own selfishness. You say, boy, how does that work? Because the man in his flesh is death. Oh, but he saved a life. He saved another man's flesh. He didn't teach him the gospel. I believe in being heroic, trust me. But listen, if he didn't give him spiritual sacrifice, his earthly sacrifice only prolonged his brother's eternal damnation. Do you get that? Well, I'm a good dad. I raised up my kids. I did all of this. Oh, okay. Well, what did you teach them? Well, I taught them to have good manners. I taught them to do that. Okay, okay. Did you teach them to be born again? No, no, I want to let them make their own decision. So let me get this right. You never created sexuality. You don't have anything to do with DNA. So God gives you the gift of procreation, and now you're not going to teach them about that God? And yet you think that's noble? You have sentenced them now to the same fate as yours. That's why I reach other people's children with the gospel. Look at all the young people here, hardly anybody over 50. Why? Because they're hearing the gospel. And they're saying, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. And now they're praying for their parents. Mom, dad, mom, dad, mom, dad. You need this. You need this. You need Jesus. Good works won't get you in. Abuelita, good works don't get you in. Grandmama, yeah, yeah. Good works don't get you in. You're hostile up here because you think you don't need him. Therefore, brothers and sisters, listen to this. And if the spirit of him, oh, here we go, sorry. But if Christ is in you, there we go, finally. You who, however, everybody say, this is me. If you're a Christian, this is you. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. If you don't belong to Christ, who do you belong to? I'm asking you. 
Who do you belong to? But if Christ is in you, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Everybody say new life. Can I end it on a happy note? This body will die. It deserves its judgment. It's been a wretched thing. There are scars literally on my body that remind me of my wretchedness. Some of you have them on your mind. They remind you of your wretchedness. But God says that's why it has to die. So you can be free from it. The body is subject to death because of sin, but the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him, listen to this, who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. There is a resurrection from the dead for Christians. We get raised again, this time in a new body. And that body talk, I want to hear because it's the talk of glory. It's the talk of its creator. It's the restoration of everything that I lost. It's all the tears being wiped away, all the scars being removed, all the sicknesses and diseases gone, all the torments of the mind, all the temptation rid from me. In other words, all of the curses of my great, 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 great grandfather and my Mother Adam and Eve, and now my body is like the body of Jesus on the third day that ascended to heaven. That's new life. What is baptism? Baptism is the symbol of rebirth. How do we know a woman's about ready to have a baby? Her what breaks? Water breaks. And then there comes the child. You go down into that grave and break forth from that water a new creation, saying, I am who God said I am. I can do what he said I can do. I will one day break forth from the real grave and raise again with him. I will live with Jesus forever and ever and ever. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation not to the flesh, but to live according to the Spirit. Not to live to the flesh, but to the Spirit. For those who live by the flesh will die, but if you live by the Spirit, you will put to death the misdeeds of the flesh, and those who are left by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves. You once were a slave to your attitude, to your body. You're not a slave so that you live in fear. Rather, the Spirit you receive from God is a spirit of adoption and some shit and whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are God's children, then we are heirs. We are heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. And if indeed we're willing to share in his sufferings, that we may share in his glory. And brother, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I got glory coming my way, brother. I've been enough of hell on earth. It's time for heaven on earth. It's time for God to shine forth. I'm waiting for that day, anticipating it in my heart, and I won't let anything take it away. Amen? If that's you, let's stand to our feet. Let's give the Heavenly Father a hand clap of praise through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Would you come forward, band? Let's pray in closing as we get ready to baptize and hang out today.
Father, we love you because you first loved us. We thank you for what you did for us. There is new life. There is new life in you. Just talk to the Lord. Tell him how thankful you are today for new life. Band, come. Altar workers, come, please. If you don't have new life, all you got to do is repent of your sins and put your trust in Jesus. That's not make-believe. That's true faith. True faith believes who God is, who Jesus is, and repents and gets right and says, Change me, Lord. I want to live for you. Come on, those of you who already are born again, just love on them right now. Love on Jesus. New life, new life, new life. There's five people getting baptized today. Lord, I thank you for them. There is new life. There is new life. Not according to the flesh, but according to your spirit. There is glory starting on the inside of me that will one day come out in fullness. I'm not going to miss heaven for the temptations of hell. I want to live for you. I want to belong to you. I want to count my flesh as dead. It doesn't matter how good it feels. It doesn't matter how tempting it is. I'm going to count it as dead, Jesus. Come on, ask the Lord to show you three things right now your flesh wants, but God says is death. Be real with God right now. Say, Jesus, speak to me. Tell me what is in my life that I've been tempted towards, but you call death. Tell me what I need to look out for, Jesus. Come on, I'll tell you mine right now. Jealousy, perversion, anger. What are yours? What are the traps the devil's trying to set out for you to get you to look at the flesh and miss the spirit? Now, with those things in mind, what are the opposite of those things? What does the Spirit say about those things? And pray right now that God will make a trade in your heart. The opposite of lust is purity. I've been married 11 years today. This is my 11th year anniversary. I was married on a Sunday on Father's Day, and this makes 11 years. And Brandon sang at that wedding, and he will testify, God has been in my marriage. Not lust, but love. Hallelujah. Before Jesus, the longest relationship I ever had was three months. Come on, somebody. The opposite of anger is patience. My, my children have never seen my face red and me yell yet. And my oldest is seven. I don't ever want them to see that side of me. Come on, what's the opposite of the flesh in your life? Pray for the spirit. Pray for the spirit. Jealousy. Can't be jealous of another pastor. Can't be jealous of another church. Come on, let's talk real quick. You guys up at the front, give me one thing of the flesh you know is a temptation and one thing the Spirit's going to do to help you get through it. Let's start right now with Adam. Give me the temptation you face in the flesh with the remedy of the Spirit. Come on, lust. Okay. What's the remedy in the Spirit? Holiness. Boom, set your mind on holiness. Jerry, come on. Jealousy. Rejoicing in others. Rejoicing in others, that's awesome. Come on, what's your biggest struggle, brother? Impatience. Impatience. What's the remedy? Patience. Patience. Come on, Nandri. We ain't afraid, right? We ain't Selfishness. And the remedy is living by the Spirit. That's right. You're only as free as the secrets you keep. 
Stop keeping secrets, people. Start confessing your stuff to God, and he'll set you free. Amen. We ain't afraid of our sins. You know why? Because we know it's all between us and God. Bitterness, and the remedy is humility. Praise God. Give me one, brother. Come on. My mouth, the, the, the remedy is self-control That's it. through the Holy Spirit. Amen. What's our biggest blessing? It can be our biggest weakness. I know. Come on. A few more moments. Let's talk to the, to the Lord who made us. Come on, Jesus. Show us. Show us some things in our flesh we need some remedies for. We're going to set our mind on the Spirit. We're going to set our mind on the Spirit. We're not going to live according to this body of death. We rebuke it in Jesus' name. We take on the life of the Spirit, the peace of the Spirit, the joy of the Spirit, the love of the Spirit. Just a few more moments. A few more moments can change a lifetime. Just a moment with the Lord can change your whole perspective. I want to be free. I want to be free. I want to be, I want to be, I want to be free. I want to live by the Spirit. Listen to this. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. And I'm free. Come on, sing it, Brandon. And who the sun sets free is free indeed. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm free. If you believe it today, sing it out. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm free. Just a few more times, if you believe it, who the sun sets free is free indeed. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Would you look up at me, please? I'm going to give you instructions on what we're going to do. We're going to dismiss in just a few moments. Go out to the parking lot through that door. Make sure everything is cleared for me, Isaiah. As you go through there, make sure there's a clear pathway. We're going to ask the people that are getting baptized to get on clothes that they don't mind getting wet in. Those of you who are not getting baptized, you can just start to get the food. You guys are all getting steaks. It's going to be awesome, and you're worth it. We don't regret giving you them. And then just grab a seat under the tents and get ready for the baptisms. But let me say this before we go, because we're not in a hurry. Not in a hurry. Those of you who want prayer for anything or just godly counsel, come up to the front and receive it from these brothers and sisters. Or... If you're like me and you need a little bit more of worship, we brought this brother in. He's been amazing. Just hang out with Jesus for a little bit and you won't miss nothing.
because I'm going to stay up here too, okay? So let's pray and dismiss. I'm going to ask that Pastor Jerry would pray for us. You used to deal with bisexuality. You dealt with drunkenness and partying. And these are all things you've testified about. And yet Jesus set you free. And he told you to put his mind, your mind on him. Would you pray that all of us here would do that every day and never go back to our flesh and the old ways, the mind of death? Oh, Jesus. We just thank you so much for your grace, for your mercy on our lives, God. And you know what each person in this place is dealing with, the struggles that they have, the things that they face, the, the temptations of their flesh, the past that they left behind or the past that they're trying to leave behind because today may be somebody's present moving forward and their past is now starting today and we want them to put it all behind them in the name of Jesus. God, and I just pray for freedom to just break loose in this place, God, that they would feel that, that there's no more struggle, that there's no more pain, that there's no more bondage in those areas, God, and we break those shackles off in the name of Jesus. God, I know what it's like to be in chains, but I also know what it feels like to walk free. God, and I pray that freedom would abound in this place, and it would keep on going till the day that they meet you, no longer looking at what is behind but looking towards what's ahead because you said that you have come therefore if anyone is in Christ the old is gone the new is come the new is here so Jesus I thank you God for what you are doing and we just release freedom for the captives in Jesus mighty name God be glorified Lord Jesus we thank you we love you in Jesus mighty name